dropped me off in the desert or in the jungle, take away my phone, my money, everything, cell phone, guess what, I'm gonna be high. I know my days will be numbered, because I know with my lifestyle and this fentanyl, I'm gonna end up in a box, whether that's above ground or below. I need to figure out what I'm gonna do about my addiction, because it's like, I love to get high. I love it. Like, I love getting high. It's like a warm blanket on a cold night. It's, my happy. It's, it's sad to say, but it's my happiness. And I need to figure out a way to substitute that with something else. Because I know I can be doing more. I'm worth more. I'm wasting my life. this episode like so much shit is going on in my life in the world today and I don't even know where to fuck the fuck to begin like um obviously everybody is freaking the fuck out about coronavirus and um it's it's like you know aside from my own opinions about it like first of all I think the scariest aspect of this shit is um, not even the health hazard of this quote-unquote pandemic. I think the scariest aspect is the effect it's having on our economy. You know, like, I'm, I'm fairly confident that, you know, you're experiencing the same thing I'm experiencing in my town where... All these shops are closed. It's like a fucking ghost town out there. And it's like people are freaking out because they can't work. Some people are able to work from home, but some people are just out of work. And no one's going out. No one's spending any money. And people are freaking out about how they're going to make money to, you know, to fucking to be self-sufficient. That's the scariest aspect. And then, um, you know, people are fucking getting in fistfights at these grocery stores, like in my town at least, for over fucking toilet paper of all things. Like, all this shit's going around and people are fighting over being able, over shitting and wiping their ass. I'm like, dude, what the fuck is going on right now? Um, for me, fortunately, I'm still working and I have some money saved up, but it's just like, I get calls from friends and they're like, stress the fuck out because you know whatever job they're working at it's just it even it like it's dead there's nobody coming in spending money so it's like it's just a matter of time before they're out of work i've had friends saying they got laid off because of coronavirus i'm like is that even fucking legal that you can fucking fire someone because no i think you can like i don't know 
I don't even fucking know where to begin with all that. Um, you know, at first I was like, oh, great, there's no traffic on the roads and this and that. But now I'm like, well, fuck, dude. Like, this has the potential to get way serious way fast. Like, if people are already fighting over toilet paper, like, think of what people are going to be willing to do when they can't feed themselves or their families. Like, shit's getting real, real fast. So, uh, needless to say, I was quite unprepared for <laughs> this episode. It's just fucked. Um, but how am I doing? Um, you know... Coronavirus aside, even if that wasn't going on, I haven't been in the best of spirits. Um, I want to apologize to people out there because I've been really uh, lagging on replying to messages I've gotten, um, you know, on Instagram and Messenger and emails. I, I, I've taken days of maybe sometimes like over a week to to get back to people and I want to apologize for that um because there's just a lot going on in my life and I needed kind of a break from social media um we I mean uh if you guys have been keeping up I, I we just had our graduation ceremony and I was you know, a part of that, and I had to stand up and speak in front of, like, 300 people, and that was just a weird feeling, because, you know, to be, I mean, I know I should be, like, grateful and, like, oh, proud of myself, like, oh, I'm graduating this program, I've been here for almost 12 months, and, um, and I, and I got clean, and I'm staying clean, and, you know, I've seen, like, oh, well over 30, if not 40 people either leave or get kicked out of here, so the fact that I even made it this far is, is just a fucking miracle. <laughs> Staff is even whispered in my ear as I'm graduating, as I'm getting my certificate on stage in front of 200 people. It's stone-cold miracle <laughs> you graduated, you know? So it's just like, well, fuck. But, it, but at the same token, I'd really don't enjoy being paraded around or recognized for for this achievement uh, because it just brings back home the fact that I put myself in this situation in the first place and I know I shouldn't look at that and I should you know focus on the positives but um, you know it it just is a reminder that I, I barbecued my fucking life and I did so many wrong things to even get myself into rehab. So, like, I don't feel like there, I, like, I should be celebrated in a way, if that makes sense, you know? Um, I don't feel like I've achieved much. I feel like I should have gotten this thing right a long time ago, but I guess I had to hit the lows that I did to realize I needed to come here and get help, you know, and this and that, but it, it just, it's a weird, uncomfortable feeling being in front of all those people, like 90% of them I don't know, like cheering and applauding for me, and I'm just like, like, I still feel like I was a fuck up for all those years. And then, you know, after the ceremony's over, just all these strangers coming up and shaking my hand and, you know, telling me how proud of me they are. Or, when, I mean, uh, and to draw back to, like, messages, like, some of, some of you have messaged me and tell me how proud you guys or gals are of me for, for doing this and getting through this. And um, I, I want to say, like, thank you. That means the world to me. It's just hard... It's very overwhelming to get that kind of feedback, and um, it's hard for me to to take it. Um, and I'm not trying to do that like intentionally or maliciously. It just it's just overwhelming. Like fuck, this is some real shit. Because now I'm getting I'm gearing up to you know really be more integrated into the real world and society and and. Um, I know there's this, this long road ahead of me where I like have to still deal with 
as cliche as it sounds, life on life's terms and, and overcome problems without rushing back to, like reverting back to the things I'm used to, you know, numbing out to. So it's like, it's, um, it's a big long road ahead of me. It's like, yeah, I, I achieved this, but there's just so much more that I, I'm gonna need to deal with and like deal with my pain, I guess, without dissociating or without escaping or without using any kind of substance to to kind of like sweep all my bullshit under the rug. So that's all just like a really heavy realization for me. So, um, but I do appreciate all the messages. You know, I've had, I've had people that have messaged me saying that they're about to go into inpatient and asking me about inpatient. Um, I've had friends that hit me up like that are like standing outside of a detox and I've, you know, wired them like 10 bucks just to help them get cigarettes and food before they go in. And, and, um, so just know, like, I, I apologize for not responding back to you as quickly as I'd like. It's just I've been so overwhelmed. I've gotten like, it's like when I get a bunch of messages at once, and especially with like the emotional or mental state I've been in lately, this kind of funk, it's hard to like reply to people super fast. So I'm really sorry about that, but I will, I do promise to get back to all of you, Um, you know, and, and your messages and your encouragement and feedback it means the world to me uh it's just been weird uh with everything going on out you know in my life and in in the world right now you know um i sometimes still face challenges and i'm still like a recovering heroin addict so sometimes i'm still learning how to deal with problems that come into my life and um and my own bullshit insecurities and my own bullshit, like, stupid head spaces I get stuck in sometimes, you know, sometimes, I mean, fuck, dude, it's hard to even admit this, but sometimes I'll be laying in bed at night and I'll think to myself, like, maybe you're just destined to just overdose like every, or not every, but like all these other junkies that you and your friends that have been overdosing left and right, maybe that's your sole goal or purpose in life is just to fucking die a junkie death that's a horrible thought to think but sometimes i'll lay in bed by myself at night and i'll think the darkest most like they just worst thoughts you know like i deserve to be dead or i'll think thought just horrible thoughts about myself or that you know or thoughts that i want to die and to like wake up the next day usually I get a good night's sleep and I wake up and I just start the day and I overcome that but it's like usually I'm able to distract myself all day with work and school and meetings and talking to my sponsor and stuff and you know I can get out of my head but then like as soon as I get home and I'm laying in bed by myself these just horribly dark and like morbid thoughts can sometimes creep in and so I don't know if it's the stress of I'm gearing up to get out of this program and I'm going to sober living in like 30 days or less, but so I'll have some accountability, but I'm still battling demons. Um, I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, I'm still battling demons. I'm still dealing with this and that. So, but, you know, I was rushing to get an episode out. Who the fuck? Well, who's talking? God, I hear people talking everywhere. So I was rushing to get an episode out. And I didn't know if I should just edit an old one. I have like a fucking stockpile of old recordings I need to fucking get out there. And I've been like lagging on that because my fucking hard drive on my laptop's full. And I'm having to move files around and find old files, old recordings. But I was at work today and uh, I remembered that it's coming up to the anniversary of when my best friend Donnie died. Uh, I was originally going to tell all my stories of how my <laughs> my girlfriend stabbed me. Um, 
<laughs> and I know some of them don't want those sto those stories out there, but you know, one day I will tell my stories of the times I've been stabbed. <laughs> and uh, but you know, I, I just it, the the thought popped into my head of my friend Donnie and all the crazy adventures we had gotten into. And um, my friend Donnie passed away. Uh, he died of MRSA, and um, you know, it, it, it. Out of all my friends that had died, you know, either of overdose or drug-related deaths, that one hit me the hardest. And I definitely didn't know how to take it at the time, you know. Um, but I, I'd known Donnie like for so many years and we had gotten into so many adventures so I thought I would talk about some of those this might be a, a series of a lot of short war stories but they all involve my friend Donnie because you know when I had moved from LA up to San Luis Obispo County I was in like fourth grade you know we're transferring uh, schools you know all my old friends we're still back down in Southern California, and so I'm I'm in this new city. I'm in this new environment, and I, I you know, it felt weird because I'm like I'm this new kid. I, I'm in fourth grade. I don't know anybody, but I quickly made friends with this tight knit circle, and one of those was my friend Donnie, and we became really close friends, and and you know. We hung out a lot in middle school, but then in high school, we really started to solidify and bond over, like, you know, smoking weed. He got me, he smoked me out, and, uh, God, I remember he lied, and he was like, yeah, I got some Maui Wowie at the house. It was swag weed, but it, fuck, that shit hit me like a Bruce Lee kick to the chest, and I almost fell over. You know, we had to use a fucking candle to light a pipe because we couldn't find a lighter. We were like fucking 16 and we got candle wax all over the sink and had to like scrape it off stone and almost fell over in his bathtub. But we, but Donnie lived in these apartments that I hung out with. I hung out in these apartments with my friend Donnie religiously. And it was this apartment complex that was behind this ghetto cookie crock grocery store in Arroyo Grande. And his mom, um, you know, his, his mom and dad were separated, but his mom managed these apartments. And there was just so many fucking crazy, insane characters that would come and stay at these apartments. So I thought, hey, this episode should be about all those crazy characters and my encounters with all of them, you know, um, because there was just so much crazy shit that went down there and that I was exposed to at such a young age. Um, you know, me and Donnie, I, I would ride my bike over there and we'd be getting drunk and smoking weed and experimenting with whatever drugs we could, we could get our hands on. You know, I think about my first, you know, I got into, you know, Vike Norcos and pain pills with Donnie and I took my first Soma there and it fucking floored me. Um, so I would, and we would just, we would get super drunk and smoke a bunch of weed and listen to just really good death metal together and hang out there all the time. And even when I got my license and my car, I'd go over there. But Donnie had two uncles, uh, Richard and Sammy, who were just these yoked out fucking gangsters. You know, Donnie is like half white, half, um, Hispanic and so were his uncles, but they were just covered in these tattoos and they were in and out of jail in and out of prison all the time So there'd be big gaps like six months or more where we wouldn't see them and then they'd get out of jail and you know hang out with us and um, And show us the ropes of the streets, you know, I remember once Donnie's uncle Richard like was hanging out and he was around and uh, Donnie had this digital scale, right? And he had loaned these, uh, he loaned his digital scale to these kids, Sean and Nick, down the street. And they had loaned Donnie's scale to this guy named Psycho Mike. Now, Psycho Mike has obviously got the name Psycho Mike because he's a psychopath. Um, and 
he was known to fly off the handle and, and beat the shit out of people. So Psycho Mike borrows Donnie's ditch from Sean and Nick. And so when and Donnie's like, hey, Brian, you want to give me a ride? Because I was driving at the time. Give me a ride to Sean and Nick's house and we'll uh, go get that scale. So we go over there and they say, oh, we loaned it to Psycho Mike. And so Donnie's like, yeah, we'll go get it back. And so, you know, a week of this back and forth goes by and they're like, oh, we couldn't get a hold of him or he doesn't have it or this and that. So Donnie's getting pissed. So finally, Donnie goes to his uncle Richard and is like, hey, I need to get my ditch back from these fools. So <laughs> Richard's like, all right, let's go. So we go, like the three of us get in my car, drive to Sean and Nick's interrogate them some more like where's that fucking didge and they're like it's it's psycho mike has it so donnie's uncle richard's like well fuck that we're driving to psycho mike's fucking place so we go there knock on the door no one answers oh psycho mike's uh girlfriend answers says oh yeah he, he's not here right now <laughs> which he was somehow psycho mike was just not wanting to talk to us or something i don't know so then we drive back to Sean and Nick's and we're about to walk get out of my car and walk in Psycho Mike rolls up in his car parks in the middle of the street runs out and like what the fuck motherfuckers you're trying to go to my house we're uninvited blah 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 Richard comes out of my car he's got like a screwdriver the size of my fucking arm and he's wielding it in front of him like hey motherfucker back the fuck off we want that scale Psycho Mike immediately is like whoa 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 Needless to say, he goes and gets a fucking digital scale from his house and brings it back to Sean and Nick to give to us. It wasn't even the same digital scale. It was like <laughs> it was like some different scale. Like, I don't even know what he did with Donnie's scale, but at least Donnie got his scale back. But yeah, Donnie's uncles were fucking crazy. They they got into some crazy shit. I remember when we were like 16 and smoking weed in Donnie's room, Richard just walks in because he's got nowhere to fucking slam meth and he goes in and he fucking turns his face to the corner of the room and he starts shooting up meth right in front of us because he's got nowhere to fucking do this meth and he just goes in fucking shoots up in front of us and then walks out and I was just like holy shit it was like my first time exposed to that kind of life I was just like oh my god and uh you know I'd hang out sometimes when Donnie wasn't around I'd hang out with Richard and smoke out of a pookie with them and it was just a, a dark underbelly of of the drug scene I just was not used to, but, be, you know, because I was so young, dude, like, um, and I was such a lightweight, like, those drugs hit me hard, dude. Smoking meth when you're, like, young fucks you up, dude, but, uh, God, who else do I want to talk about? Oh, so the, <laughs> I can't forget to talk about Twitch. Um, Twitch was this character in the back of the apartments. I told this story on like episode 17, like right when I'm about to go into rehab, but Twitch was this, this crazy ass tweaker and we called him Twitch because he, he, for some reason he had a shit ton of weed, but, and he'd always break us off weed to smoke and hang out with us, but he would like hang out with us and he'd pull out like 20 things out of his pockets and tweak out on each little thing in front of us. And we're like, wow, he spun the fuck out. <laughs> But uh, I remember I was going to college at the time. I think this was like, yeah, I was like 19, 20. And Twitch was like, hey, man, I need to fucking. <laughs> He's like, I need to drive out of state to like, fuck, it was like Colorado or something. I forget what state it was. It might have been Colorado. And he was like, yeah. And he's like, dude, I'll fucking. I'll do this and that. And I would give him rides for weed here and there. And he, for some reason, I don't know where he had all these pounds of weed, but he had all this weed. So he'd be like, I'd give him rides and he'd break me off with a bunch of weed. And then sometimes he'd be like, so spun out in the back of my car. We'd be driving on the freeway at night and he'd be, think he'd think we're getting followed and he'd be like, pull over. And he'd, I'd pull over and me and Donnie'd be like, what the fuck is up with this guy? And he'd take a pound of weed out of my trunk and stash it in a bush and dry and be like, all right, let's get out of here. And then me and Donnie the next day would drive to that spot and look for the pound of weed that he stashed into some bush because he thought like the cops were following us. I remember once I got into his apartment or some apartment he was like, you know, trapping out of in that apartment and he'd just have like weed all around him and he'd be spun the fuck out, smoking me out. 
and he'd be like he'd be like I gotta go down the street and he'd try and hand me a fucking 38 special fucking revolver and he'd be like He's like, hold on to this gun and fucking don't let anyone in but me. And I was like, dude, I'm not getting my prints on your fucking gun. I don't know where that came from or if it's a fucking throwaway or where what it's been used on, like, if, to, like to shoot somebody. I was like, I'm not touching your gun. And he'd be like, oh, okay, okay. It's a good idea. <laughs> One time I went back in the back of the apartments and saw him with a blowtorch. And he was trying to, you know, back in the day, you couldn't just buy a fucking oil burner. You'd have to, like buy one of those little glass tubes with the little rose in it and then you'd have to get a blowtorch and blow a bulb a bubble or a bulb out of it and make your own meth pipe and he was doing that and there was like a leak in the threading so the whole fucking tank catches on fire and his hand he's holding it and he's like ah <laughs> he throws the fucking thing and i'm thinking this whole fucking torch is gonna blow up this is a big fucking torch and i'm like dude you better fucking put that thing out or we're going to blow up and I'm like hiding behind a wall and somehow he gets a wet rag or something and he picks it up and it's burning his hand and he's like ah and he fucking turns it off before we all fucking explodes the apartment complex but anyway Twitch was like trying to talk me into driving him out of state to like to pick up some weed and I was like dude I have classes I'm going to school he's like no I'll put new tires on I'll put new brakes on your car I'll deck out your car let's let's just go and I was like no I'm not driving I was like dude my parents would never fucking go for that oh I'm just gonna go take a week fucking long drive with someone I just met who's fucking off the wall on drugs there's no way that's gonna fucking happen sorry and uh he ended up convincing my friend Trevor, who loved the meth, to, to drive him instead. And when Trevor and him got back, he was like, I was like, Trevor, so how was that road trip with Twitch? And he was like, oh, it was bad, dude. He's like, we were doing fucking lines of coke and lines of meth. We were like mixing up the meth and the coke and doing lines. <laughs> he was like, dude, I smoked so much coke and meth, my nostrils fucking were fucking swollen shut. I couldn't snort any more fucking coke and meth. So he had to start parachuting meth. And he was literally, he said he was hearing gunshots that weren't there. And at one point, Twitch is so spun out, he thinks Trevor's an undercover and makes him snort like seven lines of meth in a row. So he's like sweating out meth crystals and he's just like way too high. But somehow they're able to pick up all this weed and drive all the way back. And so now... Twitch is just sitting on this mountain of weed, like 20, 30 pounds of weed. And one night, me and Donnie and my friend DJ Reza are at Donnie's fucking front house, or slash, like, the, the main, like, apartment where his mom is the property manager lives, and we're just drinking beers, smoking weed, and... Apparently Twitch is in the back, drunk, spun out, getting a fight in a fight with his girlfriend, so the cops get called on him. And <laughs> apparently the cops show up and Twitch gets in this fucking physical altercation with the cops, somehow gets one of the cops flashlight off his belt and just proceeds to beat the shit out of this cop with a his own flashlight. And from what I've heard, the cop was a diabetic. So, you know, when you're a diabetic, your blood is thinner. Um, so this cop is just bleeding out everywhere <laughs> everywhere and we hear like people screaming and this and that and we hear twitch scream i fucked you up i fucked you up and we're like what the fuck and finally they get him in cuffs and they take him to the front of the street because we see a cop car at the front of the street and we're like we're hearing all this altercation so they arrest twitch next day we check the news twitch apparently fucking was in jail out of state before he got locked up, he ended up stealing like 30 pounds of weed from some fucking dealer in whichever state he was, gets arrested, he escapes jail, and flees to California, and ends up staying at Donnie's apartments, and when he was trying to get me and Trevor to drive him to get all this weed, it was from this, it was this, the 30 pounds of weed he stole from a dealer. So it's like he was a fucking fugitive like jail escapee bringing 30 pounds of weed back I'm so glad I didn't take him on that fucking road trip god damn dude and this is the kind of shit that ha 
would happen like uh there was this guy named jeff he was a huge tweaker and we'd smoke weed with him sometimes or sell him pills or sell his just druggy girlfriend's pills and he was a piece of work and um i remember once uh donnie's uncle richard was so spun out he kicked jeff's door down to just for the fuck of it literally just kicked the door and it fucking came off the hinge and he's like what the what's up jeff and he just starts hanging out with jeff dude was like like the skinny white guy he worked at the cookie crock down the street and he, he was just this huge tweaker but he, he eventually moved out of that apartment complex and lived with my friend vince in like the washer and dryer room for like 200 a month because it's like he he lives in this tiny little room with a washer and a dryer and he's just saving up money saving up money and he's keeping all his money in a lockbox in like a in in like the cheapest lockbox you could ever imagine and he's got like i don't know like 10 he's got like 7 to 10,000 dollars in this fucking lockbox so i'm working at a BMW dealership at the time and I'm at work and you know Jeff's staying with Vince's family and Vince calls me up and he's like he's like Brian what are you doing right now and I'm like dude I'm at work and he's like dude he's like can you can you call like can you get off can you get off work and pick me up and I was like no no I can't I have to work my shift like what is wrong with you he's like oh okay well well hit me up after hit me up after I'm like, all right, man. So I, I get off work. I hit up Vince and pick him up. He apparently, while Jeff is at work, has gone into Jeff's room and cracks open his little shitty fireproof safe with a butter knife and steals like a third of Jeff's money. So he's sitting on like $3,000. And he, when I see him, he's just got the hugest drug collection I had seen at the time. He's got like... 40 Oxycontins, 40 Dilaudids, two ounces of weed, and like an eight ball of Coke. And he's got some heroin, but he's like, dude, I need to stash all these drugs at your house. Like, um, he's like, can you do that for me? And I was like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, I can stash these drugs at my house. <laughs> you kidding? I was living with my parents. I was like fucking, I don't know, 20, 21. I was like, yeah, I can stash these drugs at your house. Because at the time, I'm thinking, okay, one time I tried to sell Vince three-eighths of mushrooms, and he jacked me and ate an eighth and gave two-eighths away to our friends, and they went and tripped balls on mushrooms that they he never paid me back on. So, yeah, I'm dipping into his drug collection. Fuck yeah. So for two weeks, I'm just fucking snorting Oxy. I'm snorting Dilaudid. I'm snorting both. One day I'm doing pills. Next day I'm doing Coke. Smoking weed, smoking, dipping into his weed stash, but I'm mainly just doing Oxy and Dilaudid for like two weeks straight. And one night, I'm like, dude, I've been doing a lot of pills and a lot of coke. I'm going to cook up some crack, <laughs> which I knew how to do. Someone had taught me how to cook crack. It's very easy. It's like the most easiest drug to, to cook in the world. So I took a bunch of coke out of this eight ball and... And I fucking put in some baking soda on a spoon, add some water, put a flame to it. Crack rock floats at the top. And I'm like, all right, how do I smoke this crack rock? You know, I didn't know what the fuck. I didn't have a crack pipe. So I just like, oh, I'll just put it on a bowl of weed. So I pack this fat bowl of weed. <laughs> I fucking um, <laughs> just and put a giant crack rock on this bowl of weed and then try to smoke crack. It works pretty well. But the thing is, like, when the crack melted into the weed, it just, like, made it so I couldn't finish this bowl of weed crack. So I'm, like, f getting super cracked out. And I'm like, fuck, dude, I need to finish this bowl of weed. I need to finish this bowl of weed. And, and I'm, you know, crack wears off pretty fast, so I keep smoking this crack weed. <laughs> and finally, I, I step back, and I'm like, dude, I cannot finish this bowl of crack weed this is I'm I'm my heart is beating like a thousand beats per second I was literally about to have a heart attack so I ended up just dumping it out in the fucking toilet because it was just so much crack I was like fuck this but uh 
yeah, I got so strung out on pills, and then finally, and Vince is out there, you know, he comes by here and there and takes some drugs. He's like, yeah, break me off a little coke, break me, give me some pills, and I'm keeping the rest of my house. He's keeping the heroin on him because at this time he's a full blown junkie, shooting up heroin, and uh, I remember. At one point, I'm super loaded off of Vince's drugs, and I go to Vince's house to look for him. He's He's been not at his house. He's like, for two weeks, he's been avoiding his house because Jeff lives there. He stole like $3,000 or more from Jeff, and Jeff is like asking his parents where he is. His parents are like, I don't know, I don't know, and Jeff's pissed. And I go over there with my friend Ray, and Jeff is just fucking flipping out. Like, where the fuck is Vince? Where the fuck is he? You know where he, I know you know where he is. Like, interrogating us. And I'm like, dude, I don't know where the fuck he is. And if I did, I'd probably tell you. Because this is, does not involve me. I don't have your money. I don't know what the fuck to tell you. But I don't even know how Vince got out of that situation. I think Vince's parents ended up kicking Jeff out. And he moved back into the apartments. Because he was just, like, so pissed off. Um... <laughs> And just, oh my god, that shit was crazy. Vince, I remember, oh, fucking Vince, dude. I'm gonna have him on the podcast soon. I I just talked to him the other day, and he's um, doing good. He's got I like over six months clean. He's doing amazing. I'm super proud of him. So you'll hear from Vince soon. But fuck, who else was living there? Um, <laughs> oh, Donnie's mom was <laughs> dating this one guy J John and they were like oh god they were getting all spun out together and then I remember at one point Donnie's mom and John break up and have this ugly breakup because they would just get drunk and, tweet and tweaked out together they have this ugly toxic breakup because they're fighting all the time and Donnie's mom starts dating this guy who's known as a uh, white boy or Wero. His nickname was Wero. And um and he's got the he's like this fucking white boy with this fucking bald shaved head, super hardcore tweaker, getting into a lot of nefarious trouble. And um God, I remember one night Donnie's mom was getting drunk with with white boy and her, her ex John shows up and gets into this altercation with white boy and white boy fucking stabs his ass so me and Donnie are like getting drunk and smoking weed in the room and we're hearing all this commotion we step outside and we're like what the fuck is going on and John is there just stabbed <laughs> in the fucking gut there's like blood on the fucking the sh the fucking the window shades and like white boy takes off because I'm pretty sure the cops are going to come and uh what you know while we're waiting for the cops to get there mo Donnie's mom is like trying to clean blood off the fucking the night shades or the fucking window shades and I was Donnie's yelling at him. His mom, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're fucking just trying to clean up the scene of the crime, protect your fucking tweaker boyfriend, huh? And she's like, shut up, Downey. <laughs> I just remember being young and just seeing people get stabbed and just, just like, holy shit. And this was, and the craziest thing about this is like, this shit, all this shit would happen. And this was like, not shocking to me. I was just like, yeah, that's what happens here. <laughs> people get stabbed and I didn't care. This was a place I could do drugs and get drunk without any, like, <laughs> Reprimand is like I could get away with this easier than if I did it at home. And uh, crazy shit about White Boy. Uh, some odd years later, turns out White Boy's headless skeleton was found uh, way up north in like Atascadero or Paso under a fucking trailer park. He had, I don't really know the details, and any details I do know, I'm definitely not going to divulge because the people who are, pr are probably responsible for cutting his fucking head off and, and, or killing him and cutting his fucking head off, I don't want any beef with. So even if I did know 
any more details. I'm not going <laughs> to give any more details about that on this podcast. But from what I heard, yeah, he was fucking up and did some stupid shit and pissed off the wrong people. And they, they fucking killed him. And why they took his head, I guess, to get rid of dental records. But I'm sure there was DNA on his dried skeleton. But yeah, White Boy's headless skeleton was fucking found under some trailer park. And, uh, and that was the end of White Boy. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Could you imagine, like, being such a... F- who? I don't know. He did some stupid shit and pissed off the wrong people that I don't want any problems with so who knows i i'm claiming the fifth i don't know who fucking killed this man and cut off his head but yeah that shit happened um god who else fucking was at that house there was kevin rat shit <laughs> well we called him kevin rat shit he was a gnarly tweaker and we would get drunk with him and smoke weed with him and he got all spun out and he was just this fucking arrogant like douchey white boy but I remember there was this other guy, Marcos, who lived in one of the apartments, and he fucking uh, would smoke us out, but he was really stingy with his weed, and uh, Kevin Ratchet was hanging out with him, and they had some kind of falling out, so he would get all drunk, and like, <laughs> he'd walk up to his door at, uh, during the night and like piss on his door, and I remember one time... Kevin Ratchet was all drunk, pounded on his door, and Marcos answers the door, and he just fucking whoops his fucking ass, and fuck, I forget what happened to him, too. Like, I think he got locked up. Who knows where he went? I remember when Twitch finally got arrested, because Twitch was, when Twitch had all that weed, he was fronting me, like, quarter pounds and fronting Trevor quarter pounds, and when he got locked up, he was, uh, I guess he had forgot that he fronted me all that weed but I, he didn't forget that he fronted Trevor all that weed and he was trying to like hire Kevin Ratshit to like beat him up or some shit. I don't know. So weird. There was the fucking cross dresser who lived at this apartment. He was this like regular, like scuzzy old white dude who would walk around, you know, like a normal dude, but then he would go out at night in drag and sometimes if we stayed up late enough we'd see him walk back to the apartment at like three in the morning just just fucking in drag and sometimes he'd answer his door all hung over and he'd still have makeup smeared on his face um but he was like totally in the closet about it and um i remember once he was in the back you know not in drag this during the day when he's just being normal himself fuck i forget his name but i remember two bikers park their bikes up the street, walk back there, jump him, beat the shit out of him, and then just walk back to their bikes and take off. So, yeah, I don't know what the fuck he did either. <laughs> but, he, yeah. It's just shit like that would happen all the time. Uh, th- these apartments were fucking insane. Um, but, fuck, I wish I could remember more stories. I'm, I already, I had said earlier, this is gonna just going to be a series of short stories I remember about Donnie's apartments. I mean, me and Donnie would, like, find ecstasy pills and trip out on ecstasy during the day and, like, and be all tweaked out on them and, like, listen to fucking Danzig, rec- Danzig records and fucking clean out his fucking garage and you saw f- and clean the whole fucking apartment complex, just, like, tweaked out on ecstasy. We'd fucking tripped out on shrooms and acid together, did coke together. But mainly, in at in the end, you know, me and Donnie were shooting heroin, you know. Um, he got into it a lot earlier than me, and I was... Uh, by the time I had gotten into it, and, you know... Or I'd moved, I had moved back from L.A., and I'd already, I was already a full-blown junkie. And uh, when I ran into Donnie, he was like, oh, you fuck around too? So I think, you know, there was times when I was on, like, Prop 36 or, or that this and that, that, um, you know, him and my other friends would be shooting up in front of me, and I'd somehow white-knuckled it and abstained from, like, using because I didn't want to fail a drug test. But then when I'd graduated from these drug programs, him and I would go on these gnarly runs and, you know... Um, 
God, I remember one time I, I drove all the way to Orkut because he was staying with his uncle Richard and we were just waiting all day for dope and I'm getting sicker and sicker and finally someone comes through with fucking dope and we get some and I and we're like, you know, when you're like at a friend's house and they're like, you're trying to like sneak turns in the bathroom to cook up and shoot up and he had some rigs and I ended up shooting, using one of his rigs, sharing needles and it turns out he had fucking MRSA I think I bleached him, thank God, but yeah, I shared needles with him while he had MRSA, and uh, we ended up having a falling out once because I gave him 20 bucks for some dope, and he walked up the street and never came back, and you know, I was sick, so I was super pissed off that he jacked me for 20 bucks, so I called, you know, he tried to lie to me about it, like this and that, or hit me up the next day, and you know, I called him out on it, and he denied it, and then we had this falling out. And uh, we didn't talk for a few weeks. He finally admitted to it and apologized. And then one day he messaged me and uh, I, had, I had gotten some China White from L.A. And it was in my storage unit. And I was like, yeah, you know what, Donnie? Like, let's fucking hang out and uh, I'll get you I'll get you high. And uh, I forgave Donnie and I was like, it's cool, dude. I don't, you know, I was upset, but you're my, you know, you're my best friend. And I'm not going to let $20 like ruin our friendship. And we drove all the way to my storage unit and we fucking cooked up some nice shots of China White. We got so loaded and fucking me and Donnie were having a good old fucking time. But I, I, you know, I'm super glad that I did forgive him the the time I did and that, you know, we were on good terms right before he died. Because if, if I didn't do that, he, you know, and because he, he died like a few weeks after or or something like that um i i definitely would feel a lot more regret that i never got to you know make things right with him but i remember fuck i remember i was in drug court and he had messaged me or or tried to call me and he's like hey what are you doing man um He's like, dude, we should hang out. You know, I got, I got clean rigs, and you know, I got some dope. Let's, you know, let's hang out and get high together. And I told him, no, I can't, man. I'm, uh, I can't. I'm in drug court, dude. I, I have to, you know, like, like when I had gotten high with him that one time, I was, it was like a three day weekend. I was able to get away with it, but during this time, I was like almost out of drug court. Or no, it was Prop Thirty Six, I think. Yeah, I was Prop 36. I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't get loaded, dude. I'm almost done with Prop 36, dude. I have to, I have to, like, be clean for these last, like, two months or so, or so, or however many months, six months or something. And I was like, I can't. And he was like, oh, okay, man, well, let's hang out some sometime. And I could tell, like, something was wrong with him by the sound of his voice, you know. I think, because he, he had MRSA and, um... And, uh, fuck. He was on just a shit ton of antibiotics. Like, his MRSA was so bad that they fucking carved out chunks of flesh off his hands. I remember driving to, like, get pizza. I was, like, ordered a pizza for pickup, and I went to pick it up, and I, I ran into him on the street. And he was like, his hands were just covered in fucking bandages, you know? And he was like, dude, check this shit out. And he fucking undid the bandages on his hands. And there was just, just giant chunks of flesh carved out from his hands. Like, his MRSA was so... Because MRSA is like a flesh-eating disease, you know? And it spreads fast, so they have to literally, like, cut the fucking flesh out of his hands. And it, it just... It looked so bad. You know, he was homeless. Staying at homeless camps and shit. And, um, fuck. Yeah, dude, his hands just looked so bad. And they, he, they were just covered in bandages, man. Um, and I, I gave him some pizza. I was like, you hungry, man? I gave him some pizza and went back home. But, yeah, when he had called me that one day and wanted to hang out and tell me, oh, I got fresh rigs, I think he wanted to hang out one last time because I think even he knew... He could feel it in his body that he didn't have much time left to live. And he just wanted to see his friend one more time and have... And I think he was trying to entice me with drugs, but it had the wrong effect on me because I just couldn't 
afford to get a dirty test at the time. I should have just fucking gone and hang out, hung out with him and been triggered and been around him when he was loaded because I, I wish I could have seen him one last time. And um, he ended up, like a, a day or two later, he, uh, they said he was like, well, they woke up to him dead. Like during the night, his uncle Richard came in and saw him and he was like, super hot and sweaty and he'd like thrown off all his clothes and he was like laying there naked like really hot but shivering and they were just put a blanket on him and they're like you'll be fine you'll be fine and then you know they woke up the next morning to find him dead and I found out about it because I was like on Facebook and I saw all these people posting on his timeline like rest in peace and this and that and I, I talked to one of his brothers um and he had told me, yeah, yeah, he's he's gone. You know, and I feel, you know, I fucked it. It's just, it just, yeah, it hit me hard. You know, I remember once Donnie had went to stay with one of his other brothers in Bakersfield to get clean. And uh, I had no connections in town at the time. And Donnie was like, I was like, what are you doing? Donnie's like, oh, I'm out in Bakersfield. And I, you know, I was like, I was like, fuck, I'm looking for some dope, man. And he's like, well, dude, pick me up from Bakersfield. I'll fucking take me back. We'll go get some. And I literally drove like two hours or more to Bakersfield, picked his ass up, and we drove all the way back to fucking five cities, got rigs, got dope, and got high. And he's like, yeah, I'm just going to see my mom for a couple weeks, and then I'm going to go back to Bakersfield. And he never went back to Bakersfield. And his brother was kind of pissed, not kind of, his brother was really pissed off at me for taking him back out, you know, and he never left. I don't think he wanted to leave. I mean, I offered to fucking drive him back, but he's like, no, I'm good, I'm good. And he ended up getting strung out again, and I feel like a fucking huge piece of shit for that because he ended up getting MRSA and fucking not taking care of himself and he fucking died and it, what's even more fucked up is you know the day of his memorial service I was supposed to go to his funeral but I didn't instead I fucking drove all the way to LA because I had to catch a flight to Ohio I drove to LA early to fucking score some heroin and coke and, um, and, 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 I mean, I was avoiding his brother cause I didn't, you know, him and I had a huge argument already, so I didn't want to see him, but in honesty, it was just more important to me to get, to go to LA early so I could fucking go score a bunch of heroin and Coke and shoot up some speed balls before I caught my flight to Ohio to see my girlfriend. And I was... I fucking regret that to this day. Like, I still feel like a piece of shit about that. You know, like... I'm a fucking... So that's kind of why... You know, when I'm here... And do and getting through graduation... About to do... Like, get out of... You know, complete this 12-month program of rehab... And people message me... I'm so proud of you. Congratulations. Or, you're doing so good. It's moments like that where it... It makes me feel like, dude, I did fucking horrible things, dude. I, I, I fucking took people out and they relapsed. And then when they got sick and died, I couldn't even bother to go to their fucking funeral because I was too worried about my next fix and scoring fucking drugs to shoot up in my arm. <clears throat> You know, it's it's things like that where when people say that I inspire them or that they're proud of me, it's shit. Like these this last, you know, Donnie dying that make me feel like, dude, I don't deserve any any fucking congratulations. I'm a fucking piece of shit. And I'm gonna have to spend the rest of my fucking life 
trying to be good to other people to make up for the the shitty fucking things I've done. You know? Um, Because fuck, dude. That's heavy. All these things, all these memories kind of popped in my head today about Donnie. You know, I went through my... I'm such a stupid fuck. I went through my, like, Facebook memories, and he had posted, like, death metal YouTube links on my wall, like, to, on this very day, uh, ye- like, years and years ago, you know? Um, and I just... All these memories came flooding back of, you know, my best friend, who I loved like a fucking brother I will so this this episode's dedicated to Donnie I fucking I love you man um and I wish I wish I could have done things differently um and I will always feel that regret and that shame and that guilt for how my addiction affected other people. And, uh, yeah. (sighs) Fuck. Anyway, you guys, that's really, (laughs) fuck, I'm like emotionally spent after that. And, and, you know, if you guys feel any differently about me, I don't fucking blame you because I feel like a piece of shit. But I got to get out of here. Um, I got... Yeah, I got to go. I just got to step away and process all that. But I love you guys. And I hope you're doing good out there, especially with all this crazy shit going out there. I know a lot of you, or most of you, if not all of you, are stressed out right now and probably a little scared about what's going on in this fucked up world of ours right now. And I'm right there alongside it with you, man. So I promise to get back to responding to Instagram messages, emails, Facebook messages, Twitter messages. I promise to respond to all of you, but I hope after you guys listen or like listen to this episode, you might have a better understanding of why I've kind of isolated and distanced myself online and and kind of just been trying to handle some self-care. I may even take a break next week just for my own sanity. We'll see. Um Cause it, it is fucking challenging doing all the shit I'm doing, working full time, going to school, doing meetings and to get content out for this podcast, but I'll do my best. And I, I just wanted you guys to know, I love you. And I want to thank you for all the support. It means the fucking world to me. And I know I don't show it the best if I, you know, lag on responding and it's not, it's not that I, I don't care. It's just that I, I'm going through a lot of shit just like you guys are. And you know, I just please don't put me on a pedestal I'm I'm on an equal playing field I'm like just I'm just a human being just like you and you know I I have the worst self-image of myself at times um especially for my past so just because I'm like 11 12 months clean or I'm about to get out of rehab it doesn't mean I'm any less fucked up you know I still am learning how to deal with problems and issues and you know, regret and fear and insecurity and all that same shit just like you guys um and it, and it's a learning experience you know i'm i'm growing but it's still challenging like i i face problems i'm so used to just putting all my issues on the back burner sweeping them on the rug or trying to run away or escape all my life and problems that you know when i'm actually have to face them it's uncomfortable especially having to face them without even like any substance at all no weed even or alcohol I got caffeine and nicotine and the pe- the good people in my life so it, it's still a learning experience it's still a challenge for me you know 
And so sometimes I go through it where I'm like, fuck, I need to get away from shit for a while and uh, go to a meeting or talk to my sponsor or talk to the people in the house or anything, you know? And, uh, but I promise I'm going to reach out to you guys, um, this week and I love you guys. So, you know, um, and that's, that's all I got. But anyway, I hope you guys are doing good out there. And I, again, I love you guys. And with that, I'm, I'm signing off. Peace, love, and all of you.